Welcome everyone to Unite These States. I'm your host, Matt Wilhelm. Today I'm going to be speaking with Amanda Smithfield. Amanda created an organization called Project Civ at the high school where she works in Nashville, Tennessee as a librarian. That organization sets up discussions about current events topics between students of different political ideologies, party affiliations, etc. I think the work she's doing is incredibly important in helping to build a foundation for the future of our democracy. I greatly enjoyed our conversation and I hope you will as well. Amanda Smithfield, welcome to Unite These States. Thank you. Glad to be here. So for for uh, you know, I, I talked a little bit in the introduction about uh, what Project Civ is and what it does. Could you just talk a little bit about what motivated you to start the organization? Yeah, sure. Um, so I think that, like many of us, we have uh, noticed that uh, you know a lot of people here are in echo chambers and um, are not communicating well with each other. Um, and so when I looked at my students, so so as a teacher, I teach at a school that is um, definitely, you know, primarily students on one side of the aisle. Um, and I had uh, my conservative students who um, I felt like they needed to have a voice. And uh, I really came to this conclusion when um, President Trump was coming to town and um he was going to uh, be speaking very near my school. And I noticed that um, the kids who were planning on going and and participating in that uh, were very reluctant to um, admit that or so, so they were sending and they were printing off their tickets and, and it was like they were really keeping it on the down low and, uh, really not wanting to talk about it. And I also saw how other kids were talking about that. And I thought, you know, if I was going to that rally, then how would I feel to be in those kids' shoes? Um, and so that's when, so it really came out of that. Um, I started to sponsor the high school Democrats and Republicans. And then I uh, thought, well, how can I get these groups of students to communicate about issues um, and really have these, um, you know, discussions where where uh, different ideas can be really explored, but in, in a more academic setting. So we aren't just talking about how we feel, that it's that they're actually reading, they're speaking, they're listening. And so how can I kind of tie that into what is, you know, a pretty common school curriculum wherever you go to school at? Yeah. Um, and that's when I uh, started Project Civ, and, and it's gone great. Um, we, we have these discussions once a month, and they are definitely the highlight of my month. Yeah, I'm in a, I'm in a, very, a very similar situation in the sense that I, I teach at a school. It's a small private school, so there's only about 80 kids or so in the upper school. But it's definitely that, that same kind of dynamic where uh, – most of the kids are liberal and there are a few conservatives that are very reluctant to voice those points of view. And so I, I can completely relate to um, where you were coming from and starting this organization. 
Um, what is your own background in politics in terms of your own political awareness and engagement? And uh, do you feel like that impacted your decision at all to start Project Civ? Yes, I think I think it does. So I grew up in definitely a blue collar household, um, not far away from where I live in Nashville in Clarksville, Tennessee. Mm -hmm. And uh, both my parents are fact were factory workers, and my father never graduated from high school. Um, so my parents tended to be like kind of FDR. Democrats, but not like super engaged, but they always watch the news. And my father, I, I, my father passed away a few years ago, but if, if I had to guess, I would say he definitely would be a Trump supporter today. Mm -hmm. Um, so I, I think he probably would have, would be a Republican today, just knowing like gr growing up with him. Um, and it definitely did affect me because um, being around a family that uh, was cons conservative um, but not engaged in, and so had a lot of uh, ideas about the way things were, I could see how they got those ideas about the way things were. Yeah. And I felt like it also really um, impacts me because I... I think I, because I did grow up in that household, um, I think I, I see a way to communicate that I think, and I see the value in getting together with people you don't agree with in a way that someone else may not. So, um, yeah, so I do think it's had a, a positive impact and it definitely led to part of my decision to start Project Civ. Well, and this is related to another question that I wanted to ask, but I mean, you mentioned there that essentially you saw examples of how people coming from different points of view were able to engage with each other without it becoming, uh, you know, a, a name calling exercise or, or shouting at one another or what have you. Um, so I mean, I think one of the things that I think about a lot as a civics teacher is how to model civil conversation. So right. could you talk a little bit about how you do that with the students that you lead in these discussions? Yeah. Um, so I, I think that designing a, um, a conversation and norming that discussion first first of all, mm -hmm. is just something that we, we have to do. So you have to set the stage. You can't just assume that kids know how to have these conversations because they may have, they, they are not getting the best models in a, in a national way because what goes viral oftentimes is, uh, you know, what I, what I call the owning thing, owning the libs or right. owning the cons that right. that's what goes viral. And that's not, that's not the nuanced discussions that, that, you know, I want my kids to learn how to have. Um, so, so I think the norming of that is really important. So, so the way we model that is by really giving kids examples of how to push back. So one of the things that's really helpful 
in um and with project Civ is we have a packet and those links are on the project Civ page on like how to run a project Civ discussion but one of them is a packet of sentence starters mm. um where they aren't using ad hominem attack so how do you disagree with someone and i always remind them of that so uh of that when we are starting a discussion. So I rem we we remind them of the rules. Someone at each table, we have a table leader. Um, you know, someone will we we remind them. They go around and read the rules again. Mm -hmm. um, they each have a packet in front of them, and we also start with a moment where we um, we also start with with a moment of gratitude. Mm -hmm. um, so the fact that we can have these discussions is very, so you want to start with a unifying theme. Um, so how, how can you do that? You start in a moment of gratitude that we can have these discussions, that that's part of our First Amendment. Um, and that then we have the right, wherever we come out of these discussions, could have totally disagreed with everyone in our group to act on those beliefs. We could write letters to the editor, we can write an opinion piece. We could join an organization, um, you know, that that promotes whatever our views are. Um, and then also, uh, this is going to sound um, unusual too. Um, not only are we grateful to live in a place where we can have these discussions, but uh, we uh, also, I also remind kids that that the person who disagrees with them is actually being helpful to them because mm -hmm. ultimately you want to try to persuade people to your point of view. Um, and so to know the arguments of people against your point of view actually helps you because if you don't know their arguments and if you don't know what they want and the, why they see things a certain way, it means that you actually aren't as able to persuade them to your point of view. Right. So actually in some ways that person that that person's doing you a favor. They're they're help, helping you. Um and, and they're participating in that. So um and at the end we we usually stop when we stop we always high five each other at the table um and just remind them that that you know to, that they can take keep on with these conversations. Uh but it's another way of uni of unifying that. So um so modeling is really important having norms is important i think the more you do discussions you kind of you, you know you try things out and some things work well with one group not as well with another um but you kind of come along with a with a way that works and so the way i set it up is um is is with these unifying norms um a different classroom teacher knowing her his or her class might do things slightly differently and that's a great thing because if you are having these discussions, you know, you know, your kids, you know, your class, um, and you can, you know, you design it, you know, the topic and all what best fits your needs. Yeah. Well, you use the word conversation there rather than debate. And I, I think that that's an important distinction to make that when we think about political exchanges in our culture, we oftentimes think of the word debate rather than conversation. So first of all, how would you distinguish between those two things? And uh, secondly, how can we encourage more conversation rather than immediately moving into that debate mode where, you know, you're trying to be correct rather than 
simply learning something about what the other person is saying. Yeah. So I think he really hit uh, the nail on the head that um, that in a debate, your goal is to win. Uh, but when you have a conversation, your goal is to learn and then apply what you learn as you go forward. Yeah. Um, and I and and so the conversation may be something that will lead to you having debate later on at some point. Maybe maybe you do. Um, but I also think that a lot of times with a debate, it it means that a lot of times there are people watching rather than participating. Right. Um, so, so a lot of times what I, what I do see go on in classrooms is a debate. Today we're going to have a debate and um, I'm going to give you a side to, you know, to, to talk about and you're going to get up and you're going to be the kind of sage on the stage or whatever. Mm -hmm. And then there's a lot of people that aren't participating. Yeah. Um, the great thing about, about project Civ is that it's, it is a conversation. So everyone participates, um, and because, and they're in small groups. And so, and so the idea isn't the idea. We all end up, what I tell kids is that we all end up actually winners from this. Um, because once again, you have solidified your own viewpoint or you've, um, you know, in some way, or you've seen some sort of nuance, which means that you can argue better. Or maybe you change your views a little bit. Mm -hmm. All of those are positive things because if we're really focused on policy, we're really focused on, you know, we need kids to work with us to help solve these wicked problems, then, then our goal is to solve the wicked problems, right? Our goal isn't to, um, our, our, that's our goal. So, and if we can get more people on, on that and, you know, then th that's a win for all of us. Yeah. So, um, yeah, I think that's a really clear delineation. And I think in, in a lot of classrooms, you know, it's encouraged to set up as a debate where I feel like we would be better off changing that format to more like projects of a, a discussion based format where kids are looking at text and the, and the text plays a real critical role there um, because it does give kids that they come in having already read a good faith argument from the other side, something mm -hmm. which they may not have read before. And this is where as a librarian, I can really offer some value um, that I can help teachers or, or in my case, I'm, I'm finding them for myself. What I think is the best argument of both sides. Yeah. And that's a really important skill too, to be able to pull specific arguments out of a reading like that and to be able to use it to either support the point of view that you are trying to advocate for, uh, or to refute a point of view of, of the other side as well. I mean, that's such an essential, skill set. That's right. Yeah, um, I agree with you. <laughs> along those lines. So, so is civics taught in the school where you work? Yes. So all kids take AP U.S. government as seniors for half of a semester. And oh, uh, wow. that's it. Uh, so um, I'm not sure what it's like at, at your school, but, um, you know, of course, they've had it sprinkled throughout. But in my personal opinion, I don't think kids get enough 
civics. Um, yep. And I don't, I don't, you know, and I think there's a lot of causes for that. Um, I think our focus on testing um, English and math meant that after testing really came into vogue uh, with No Child Left Behind, that a lot of people kind of moved history and civics to to the side. Um, and, uh, you know, and that's kind of what we're seeing now is kind of that lack of engagement because of that. But I, But I feel hopeful that there is a lot of discussions about that and that people see it as a problem. People from both sides see that as a problem. So have, have the social studies teachers at your school taken an interest in what you're doing with Project Civ and, and inquired about how they could potentially integrate this more into their classrooms? Yeah, so I think it's going on in maybe small ways, depending yeah. on their curriculum. And so um, so with Contemporary Issues, uh, we did a really cool uh, Project Civ unit last year. Uh, Nashville was going through a really big... Um, was going to vote on a transit plan, um, mm -hmm. and it ultimately ended up being defeated. But we did um, we did a full week, and I think uh, the teacher I work with really saw how you could take Project Civ in that um, and and really flesh it out. So we started with, you know, how do you feel about the transit plan? Uh, then we went into to readings, and we actually had. So you talk about. Um, about kids actually seeing a conversation uh, between people on different sides. We actually had the main person who was for the transit plan and the main person who was against the transit plan come and talk to kids, which was so cool. And my mm -hmm. kids got to see them engage uh, together and ask questions. Um, and then they had the discussion after that. And then the last day they voted again. So they had voted the first time on how they were leaning and then after all that, they voted again on how they felt about um, about the transit plan. So it was really, it was really interesting. I feel like a barrier to doing a lot of contemporary issue discussions, though, is um, you know if you're in a school, my school has a lot of AP classes, mm -hmm. um, and uh, I I think that that a lot of teachers struggle or feel like they have so much content to get through that they, they are nervous about what they feel is giving up time. But the great thing is about as AP tests get redesigned, they are becoming more um, where there's not a um, definitive uh, you know, one correct answer necessarily. So um, the AP government test was is just being redesigned this year, and kids actually had to read uh, like letters, uh, like M Martin Luther King Jr. and and so they'll ask questions about that, and and it'll be more like based on the text, so more like what we do in Project Civ. So now that's becoming that idea of that is becoming a little bit more integrated in. So it might not look exactly like Project Civ, um, but I feel like we're moving may, maybe a little too gradually for my liking, but I feel like we're moving in that direction and I'm hoping to see more of that. Yeah, I've, I've taught AP Gov 
before and and I've faced that same conundrum and and it's one of the reasons that I don't particularly enjoy teaching AP Gov in the sense that the minutia that you're getting from that curriculum is not nearly as important in terms of citizenship as the types of things that you're doing and I absolutely believe that we need to shift civics education more in the direction of skills rather right. than content knowledge. Yeah. Because yeah. So uh, I agree with that. And that, that is like kind of like an action civic sort of, uh, yeah. um, that, that generation citizen is doing that sort of, that sort of thing. But even with my kids and I'm not an academic magnet, it was a surprise to me, um, how many of them had never been, uh, to vote with their parents. And so mm -hmm. when we were doing a big push to the midterm elections last year, um, I really, I made sure everyone was registered. 95% of my kids actually ended up voting. Um, but just, you know, I was constantly calling them to the library, um, to just like, make sure, like, do you know this process? Wh where do you go to vote? Tell me, let's look it up for you. Okay. If you don't vote early, where do you, where are you going to go vote on election day? Do you know what, what do you need to show to vote? Um, and so things like that were, were really not part of the AP US curriculum, but yet that yeah. is the, that is just part of our foundation of, of civics. I mean, that's like the basic thing you should do is vote and, and being an informed citizen. Yeah. So I agree with you there. Well, and uh, I mean, my, my motivation in going into education in the first place was to try to engage young people in politics, to try to get them involved, just because right. um, obviously the future of a democracy depends on kids who are going to grow into that role. Um, and again, right. I, I think what you're doing is so so crucial in, in making that happen. So I just, uh, I commend you for what you're doing. And, and, um, you know, as I've mentioned to you outside of the podcast, um, I'm definitely interested in, in trying to get, uh, some project civ projects going on, um, in and around Love the it. room. So, Let's do it. um, yes, <laughs> absolutely. So, um, Along those lines, are there are there any other schools in Nashville or otherwise that are currently implementing Project Civ discussions? Yeah, that that's a great question. So we have some pockets of, of some fellow librarians. So I'm a librarian, and we have some other librarians who are kind of doing who are stepping their toes in okay. um, into it, um, like with a few more local issues. Um, and I, I do think that, that as teachers think about having, having kids have these discussions, I, I think that one of the things about projects of being out there and, and people actually starting to do it and hoping to build like a ground spell, ground, groundswell of support for that is just that there is, you know, I, I think, a lot of teachers are nervous about like having kids discuss these really hot button issues, oh, worried yes. that they'll get pushed back from parents and administrators. Mm -hmm. yeah. um, but what I hope to be an example of is that if it's done like with a, uh, when, when you, the way that Project Civ is set up, it, 
it ends up really garnering a lot of support, whether you're liberal or conservative, because oh, yeah. I've had nothing but but a, a lot of positive feedback. And if you don't know about Tennessee politics, you know, I'm in Nashville, which is definitely a blue city yeah. uh, within a sea of red. Yeah. Um, so um, but there are, uh, you know, I have. Several of my friends are conservative um, and work for our, uh, you know, for for Republicans and are also really love uh, the idea of Project Save because it's really a way to it really does garner a lot of support just naturally, because for many on the right, they're really they hear a lot about deplatforming of conservative speakers. And so they like the idea that conservative students uh, that that different people will have an opportunity to uh, get exposed to different viewpoints and and um, and for for those on the left, you know, in Tennessee, um, you know, most schools are overwhelmingly Republican, and so if you are a a Democrat in rural Tennessee, then you know you also like it because um, of that same reason, but on the opposite side, that you give these kids who may be in a small minority there an opportunity to share their viewpoint, and that you're discussing these, you know, these really tough topics. Um, so, so, and and as a way of providing equity and and marching towards that. So, um, so it's a way to, uh, so it really does get a lot of positive press from. From both sides. Absolutely. Well, I think Tennessee politics and North Carolina politics are are very similar in that respect. In that, um, in North Carolina, you have Durham, you have Raleigh, Charlotte, Asheville. You know, those urban areas are definitely very solidly blue, but everywhere else in the state is deep red, and so the state legislature is of course controlled by republicans um, right. and in you know any rural or semi-rural area that you travel to in north carolina i mean the vast majority of people in those areas are definitely going to be more conservative and so uh we have that exact same dilemma here right um, and it yes. needs to be it needs to be constructively addressed so again right. I, I think project civ is is uh, a good mechanism through which to to do that so right. um, how can our listeners support your work? Yeah, so um, I think the best way to support is that if your listeners are, um, you know, uh, teachers or educators or parents, mm -hmm. um, just encouraging, um, encouraging uh, your children or your students, having them actually read some different viewpoints yeah, and absolutely. then modeling that behavior for them. Like, so, uh, and I think we've all been guilty of, you know, um, throwing those ad, you know, more of an ad hominem attack rather than focusing specifically on the policy that we disagree with. Um, I also think teaching our kids that, that it's actually a benefit to them to read an argument that they may not believe in um, or may not agree with as a way to um, help them sharpen their ability to talk about a topic is, is helpful. Yeah. Um, and uh, I, I, so I think that any, I think a family even, 
could have a project civ discussion at home. So I don't think project civ just has to be in our schools and in our libraries. Um, I think this is, you know, that, that, uh, I think that a family could decide, you know, hey, uh, we all like to talk about politics. How, how can we, how can we do that and still, um, and, 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 you know, and, and still go forward and, and Project Civ really gives a good uh, format to do that. So I, so I think that the best way to support it is to not be afraid to do it and to engage in that work. Um, and to encourage others. So um, encouraging your civics teacher, going to the librarian and saying, hey, um, I, would, I would really love to see some of these discussions and I, I, would, I would love to see that as, a, as something that happens on a occasional basis. So, so spreading the word, I think, is really the best way that someone can support Project Civ. All right. Well, I will, again, I will do what I can in that respect. So final question, uh, has your work with Project Civ made you more hopeful about the potential for our country to transcend our current political divide? Uh, what are your, what are your thoughts on that? Yeah, I, I, I think it has because uh, I think, it, I think we live so much of our lives online and online, there's a lot of vitriol, and I think it's just made for, made for that. For and we say things online that we would never say to anyone in person. Yeah. Um, but but what Project Civ does is it, it. First of all, it's been really for for the minority of my students who are conservatives, um, they come out in a much higher percentage to our discussions, and so I, I what I see happening at Project Civ is that kids developing really nuanced understandings of difficult topics. And, and it does give me a lot of hope. Um, and I, I tell kids that I can't, I can't wait for them to be in the state legislature and the city council and, uh, and mayors and, and on campaigns because, um, I think that all the practice they're getting with Project Civ and and by seeing that their friend, um, you know, does think uh, different politically than them and that that they have relationships with with that person. Um, I, I think that that gives me the, the best hope that that we can go forward um, out, of, out of this stage and that that a lot of that vitriol is online but not in real life. And if we can create a community where people feel like they can come together and have these discussions, that we're showing them a way to move forward. Yeah, that face-to-face -face component is so important. Especially in a, in a society where so many of us are, are glued to our screens all of the time. Uh, all the time, yeah. Well, I, I know that your work definitely gives me hope. So... Uh, Amanda, where can where can people find out more about you and your work online? Yeah, so um, a really great thing is you can follow Project Civ um, on Twitter. Um, we also have a Facebook page. Um, do realize I'm a full time librarian, and so I don't update as much as I would like to. But we also have a web page, um, ProjectCivAmerica.com, and that's a really great place to get started. And uh, mostly in the summer I, is when I update that and kind of 
put in, think about all my discussions I'm going to have. Um, but if a hot topic comes about, I will create those sources. And once again, what I feel about Project Sev is that um, you can take anything. You just The format is what's important. Um, take whatever topic you're going to be studying in school and, and using that Project Civ format, um, I think, is a really great way to go forward with that. So three articles that you that the kids read that kind of, you know, what are the facts article, one from one perspective, one from a different. Um, some questions based on that topic, maybe that kind of delve specifically into those articles. And then some sort of, um, you can also have as a follow-up to that, some sort of next step. So when we talk about civic engagement, um, you know, uh, if you, for example, my kids are talking about when life begins next week. And so, uh, you know, I'm going to help that there's going to be a list of, okay, so I want to be involved. What can I do now? So I can write an op-ed. I can write my legislator. I can um, join these organizations that are local organizations to advocate for something that I believe in. So, so, so having that available, I think, is is really important. So, so it gives you the format. Um, you know, as an educator, um, I think I think we have we can pull together articles on our own, even if it's on the Project Civ website. And there are also links to other. Uh, websites that that also kind of group articles by topics so so someone if i don't have an article articles on a certain topic um that kind of helps people find what are some resources i can have for that so yeah so lots of great things on the website follow us on twitter at project civ um and uh you know uh consider starting your own chapter so amanda thank you so much for being on the podcast this morning and, and giving us your time. I really appreciate it. Well, thank you for having me. I enjoy talking to you and all your listeners. All right. That's it for this week's episode. I hope you all enjoyed it. If so, write us a review on iTunes or Stitcher or Spotify or wherever you get your podcasts. You can follow us on Twitter at UnitePod. I'm your host, Matt Wilhelm. I'll see you here again next week. Thank you very much for listening. <laughs>